0: Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today, we're going to be venturing into the heart of the Appalachia, a land teeming with haunted houses, ghostly apparitions, and supernatural encounters. Prepare to hear tales of restless spirits lurking in forgotten cemeteries, haunted bridges that test the courage of those who dare to cross, and abandoned mines harboring more than just coal. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. You can also submit it on Reddit at r thedarkswamp. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into these creepy and allegedly true West Virginia horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. A Joke Gone Too Far by Down Your Alley I'm from a small town in Dodd Ridge County, West Virginia, called West Union, and not a whole lot happens here, besides petty theft and drugs and the predictable stuff. It's a very everybody-knows-everybody kind of area, and their business is everybody else's business. However, there was a boy named Joseph Spencer that I grew up with from daycare and up. We weren't too close. He was always introverted and reserved, but we were friendly and had mutual friends, so I spoke to him regularly. Occasionally, he'd make a little too dark joke or get a flash of unnecessary anger, but he was always quick to smile or laugh it off. He was never mean to anyone, didn't pick on anyone, and was incredibly smart. He was just a little odd, but overall nice. He just seemed like a shy kid. Then, on September 3rd, 2012, he murdered his parents and his little sister. No one saw it coming, and no one could believe it. He had been acting normal the days leading up to it. He has an older sister and an older brother, who are only alive now because they weren't home. The brother was at a friend's house and the sister away at college. He shot his dad in the head while he was asleep, hit his mom in the back as she tried to run, and shot his nine-year-old sister. From what I understand, he called the police and waited for them out on the front steps. He claimed he did it because his dad was abusive, and his mom never prevented the abuse or defended him. But then, shooting his nine-year-old sister doesn't make much sense. His older sister is married to a friend of my husband and I. The sweetest woman I've ever met His older brother is married to a friend of ours, too. He was terrible on drugs for a while, blaming himself for what happened. They both have children of their own now and are doing pretty well. But I couldn't imagine the pain and the grief that happened to them and their family. Anyways, I've been waiting to send this in for a couple of years now, and I hope you do an episode on this story. A Story You Won't Believe By Nicole W. In April 1997, I was 16 years old, a sophomore in high school, and had just gotten my first little used car. I worked two jobs to pay the payments and insurance. My parents' marriage of 20 years was going down the drain, leaving my brother and myself to our own devices. We lived in a small town, so unfortunately we drank and smoked weed to look fantastic and deal with our depression over our parents' divorce. Jamie and I were only 16 months apart, so we hung out in the same group of friends and we were always together. Unfortunately, I started seeing this guy 6 years older than me, so he was 22 at the time, and he was just bad news from the jump. He had yet to graduate from school or have a job or car so he spent his days looking for girls to ride him around and play basketball. My dad had moved out of our house, so my mom had become lax with the rules, and she sometimes let B stay the night as long as he slept on our couch. One night during a school week, my mom said no to B staying over and told me to drive him home. He lived about 15 minutes away from my house, so even though I didn't want him to leave, I knew my mom meant business, so B and I left my house around 10pm. Now to make you understand this a little bit better, I will describe the road we had to drive on the best way I can. We lived in a little town in West Virginia that was sandwiched between two slightly bigger cities, but there was only one road that connected all of these towns, Route 60, and it was just a narrow two-lane road with lots of blind curves and hills. Nevertheless, it was the main thoroughfare for all the traffic, including tractor trailers that hauled food, coal, and wood. Driving it was no big deal if you had grown up there, but to outsiders they often remarked how the road nauseated them. Anyways, the night I was driving B home was a clear night, not much traffic, and I was going around 45 miles. The speed limit was 55. I rounded a slightly sharp curve and was blinded by another vehicle's bright light and suddenly there was a loud boom, and I remember seeing two legs fly up in front of me. I immediately pulled over the car to the side of the road, thinking I had hit a deer, and I kept asking, B, what did we hit? What was that? Finally, we both jumped out of the car and turned to look at the road to see what I had hit. A woman was lying in the middle of the road. She had a tiny little girl that was about 20 feet away as well. I could tell they were not moving. My brain and body just went on autopilot. I ran to the nearest house where it just so happened one of my best friends lived. And I shouted to them to call 911 and told them I had hit two people in the road. I was crying and shaking uncontrollably. I called my mom and she said she was on her way. My friend and I ran back up to the road where B had managed to stop traffic from both directions. I remember walking over to the little girl. She had blonde hair and a beaded necklace that said, Hannah. Her eyes rolled back in her head and I knew she had head trauma. While waiting for the paramedics, I took stock of the scene around me. In the lane opposite the direction I had been traveling sat a pickup truck with a camper top and it was parked right smack dab in the middle of the road. One of the headlights was out, and the other was on high beam, hence why I couldn't see the vehicle very well. The driver's side door was opened, and the woman's car CD player was repeating blasting Ozzy Osbourne's crazy train over and over. I finally yelled for someone to please turn it off. I don't know who finally did it, though. After what seemed like forever emergency personnel arrived and the mother and daughter were airlifted to trauma hospitals, I'm going to stop right here for now before I tell you the rest of the story as I've written quite a bit, and I'm not even sure if anyone is interested. But if you'd like to know what happened and why the people were in the road, please feel free to let me know and I will gladly share the rest of this traumatizing story. Here's the rest to those who are interested. The next day, We were updated that the mother had broken ribs, broken legs, and some internal damage, but the little girl Hannah had died from the head trauma. I was devastated. The case would be presented to the prosecuting attorney to see if I would be charged with possible manslaughter or vehicular homicide. I was just a teenager. They brought my car home to me. There were still strands of blonde hair in my right headlight. I had horrible nightmares where I would see legs flying up before me. I started gritting my teeth so hard that my upper jaw shifted. I was put into counseling with an excellent psychiatrist. Meanwhile, the state brought in a team of investigators that measured the markings on the road, i.e. where my car was, where the people had landed, etc. I waited in fear to see what my future would hold. Finally, all the evidence was submitted to the prosecuting attorney and the judge, and it was decided that it was a total freak accident that couldn't have been avoided. I wouldn't be criminally charged. It was a huge relief, but I felt so bad and responsible. I couldn't drive for at least 10 months. In the meantime, the woman's insurance company sued my insurance company, so we had to go to court to give depositions. It was terrible reliving that night, but we found out a lot. We discovered the woman, Jody, wasn't even supposed to have her daughter. She had previously lost custody of her and the father had her. Jody had taken Hannah from her father's house and had been riding around in that truck for three days. Jody had been in mental health hospitals for her whole life. The reason she gave for being in the middle of the road that night, there was a dead possum in the street and her daughter was an animal lover, so they stopped to move it out of the road. A precious little girl lost her life over roadkill. My insurance company didn't award Jody any money on her part for being negligent but they did award $50,000 on the roll for Hannah. This tragedy has affected my entire life. I am now 41 years old and still can't drive at night. I just... I just think that this story might be interesting to some people. It's strange, dark, and mysterious. Thank you for your time. The Grafton Monster by anonymous this story takes place about three years after my family and i moved to grafton virginia i'm 16 years old and live with my two younger brothers ben and james and my parents on a hundred acre densely wooded lot i'm not trying to ramble on so let me start telling my story it was almost summer break and my brothers and i had just gotten off the bus The walk to the house would take about 20 to 25 minutes if we kept a good pace. We get off the bus around 2.45 and got home around 3.15 to 3.20 most days, so no one in my family worries when it takes us a little while to get home. While the three of us walked towards the house, I noticed the woods were silent. At first, I didn't think much of it. I had my brothers to talk to to keep my mind at ease but after a few more minutes of walking and it was still dead silent under the our hour conversation, I got a weird feeling. I told my two brothers to be quiet for a minute and listen. They stopped talking and I focused on scanning the wood line in all directions to see if I could spot any movement at all. Nothing, not a single ounce of noise. Then the woods suddenly erupted with singing birds and everything went back to normal. Not wanting to make my brothers any more scared than they were, I just picked up the pace and they followed behind. We got home, put our school bags down, and looked through the pantry for snacks. My mother must have been home early, since we saw her car in the driveway. She came down the stairs and talked to us about the school and offered to cook us some pancakes. We agreed and helped her get out the ingredients she needed to make them. We're out of eggs, I said to my mother. She told me to go out to the chicken coop and see if there were any she missed while out there this morning. I slipped on my shoes and made my way out the back door. The walk from the house to the chicken coop is not very short. It's about 10 minutes away from home and not in a clearing. The first two minutes of the walk were not bad. They were utterly uneventful, if I would say so myself. Nothing really out of place happened. It wasn't until I saw the coop that the woods were silent again. Like on the way home from the bus, I scanned the woods like before to see if anything was moving, and like last time, I didn't see anything, but something was definitely off about this. I got this deep sense of dread that almost made me vomit in fear, and the thought of something or someone staring at me would just not leave the back of my mind. Something or someone was watching me, and I could not see where or what it was. Being a dumb kid, I picked up a few rocks and proceeded to throw them into different spots of the woods to scare whatever it was away. This only made what was watching me mad. It let out a groan that sounded like a dying animal. Suddenly rocks started getting thrown from inside the woods and it was aimed directly toward me. I screamed and started running back toward the house. This thing was following me. Every time I would run a bit faster, it did the same. It was running completely parallel with me. It was just behind the wood line, and I couldn't see it. Once I got to the backyard, I ran to the steps and into my house. My mother looked at me in shock, and she told me I was pale as a ghost. Not caring about the eggs, she comforted me and told me to say, what happened? I did, and she just laughed it off and told me it was my imagination getting the best of me. My two younger brothers laughed and said they would come with me to get the eggs so I wouldn't be scared. Not knowing how to tell them no and not wanting to be the chicken older brother, I agreed to have them come with me. I picked up a big stick while walking with them and then walked ahead. Once we made it to the chicken coop, I noticed that the door was open and that none of the chickens were there. After my brothers gathered some eggs, I went to look for the chickens. About 30 feet behind the coop, a horrible smell hit my nose and made me gag. All the chickens had been ripped apart and left to rot. Now... Even more scared than before, I told my brothers that we needed to get to the house as quickly as we could, so we didn't end up like those chickens. Again, they laughed at me and walked to the house like normal. But, not wanting to leave them alone, I stuck with them. Halfway home, I heard something behind us crunch a stick. My heart sank because they were in front of me. I turned and saw nothing, but the woods were deathly quiet. That sense of dread hit me again, and I wanted to vomit, but I ended up holding it together and saying, what the hell is that? And we all ran, dropping the eggs once again. Our mission failed. I didn't see what he was looking at until a rock flew out of the woods and hit me in the forehead. Then I finally saw what this thing was. Then I finally got a glimpse as to what this thing was. It had to have been seven or eight feet tall, an almost translucent gray color with those bright white eyes. I can only describe them as the headlights of a car. This thing was giant and did not seem like it feared us at all. I grabbed my two brothers' hands and took off as fast as we could back to the house. This thing followed extremely closely behind until we reached the porch. We all turned around and saw it standing about 60 feet from the house. As weird as this may sound, it smiled at us. It almost looked sad that we had run away. The three of us got inside and locked the back door. At this point, my dad was home and we explained what we had seen. Ah, the Grafton monster, he said and laughed, as my mom did earlier that day. The last week of school ended and we got off the bus for the final time that year. Not worrying about what we saw on that horrible day, we got to the house a bit earlier than usual. My mom wasn't home yet, so we got the key from under the mat and went inside. Turning around to put the key back under the rug, I saw those bright white eyes and that devilish, again almost sad looking smile, and started crying in fear. I could tell this thing was not going to hurt us, at least I didn't think so, but the fear of not knowing what the hell this thing was, was bothering me, and still bothers me to this day. It's been six years since the first time of- It's been six years since the first time the three of us saw it, and we still occasionally have rocks thrown at us while walking. It's become normal. Sometimes we even throw them back. Sometimes we even hear a weird groan-like laugh and keep on with our day. I don't know what this thing is or what its intentions are. Still, it hasn't seemingly caused any problems other than killing our chickens. Thanks for picking my story and I just wanted to say thank you, Swamp Dweller. Your videos keep me and my family entertained on late weekend nights and everyone enjoys listening to your scary true stories. we hunted mothman by anonymous i think it's time people understand the truth of this thing i'm 23 years old but i was 13 when this happened i don't feel safe sharing the location but i was hunting with my old man so you know there were forests and even large rock formations in the area every time my dad and i went hunting we make a point to set up camp and a fire near the stream upon arriving The forest was an amazing place by day, but a place that grew far more mysterious and even scary by night. I always made a point to sleep prior to or at the same time as my old man, so I wasn't the only one awake at night. The hunts we'd go on were family tradition and annual. We'd always spend a week in the woods on every hunt. Now that I've set things up, you should understand the story behind the evil we encountered on this hunt. It was the first day of our hunt and we had found no deer. This was odd as there were usually deer everywhere and we'd often have one bagged by the end of day one. Having no game killed, we went to bed around 10 that night. It was 3 in the morning when I awoke to the sound of rattling outside the tent. Looking outside the tent, I noticed the fire had gone out. It took me a bit but eventually, I mustered the courage to investigate. I wish I hadn't investigated at all though, if I'm honest. Remember those rock formations I mentioned earlier? They're about 30 or 40 feet tall, and about 10 feet in diameter. Gazing upon the highest rock, I saw it. It was some monstrosity that stood at least 6 feet tall and had blackish, brown skin. It had thin arms and legs, and I'm pretty sure its appendages were longer than most humans by a few inches. The thing that left me the most in fear, though were those wings it quickly turned in a flash and what i saw haunts me to this day the creature had a human face with no features outside of bright glowing red eyes the moment i saw this i of course screamed my head off at which point the thing flapped its huge wings and vanished into the night sky my dad came out wondering what the hell had happened and why i was screaming i told him everything that had happened at which point he looked at me like I was crazy before telling me to go back to sleep. I of course didn't sleep at all that night. I kept seeing that monstrosity burned into my memory. The hunt always lasted a week and I expected was I was terrified even after that. Every moment of every day I would be scared that I would see that thing again or that it would come back and try to get me or something. I never saw it again, but something else strange did happen. We never saw a deer that entire week. My old man chalked it up to bad luck, but I didn't believe that was why we never saw any deer. I believe this thing is why. The worst part came when we had to pack up. We had enough things that packing was a two round trip. It was when I was going back for the final set of stuff that I noticed the footsteps in the mud. They were huge and confirmed for me what I saw was real. The prints themselves looked like they belonged to a creature with five toes that were slightly larger than my dad's. They towered over anyone by six feet eight inches. The strangest part was, the back of the prints were triangular and shaped and stretched out at least three inches back. We left soon after, and I thankfully have never seen anything like this since. For a while now, ever since I was a kid, I've been fascinated with Point Pleasant, West Virginia. My dad used to tell me stories of the Mothman and how it terrorized the small town back in the 60s. It's because of his stories I started doing research on other cryptids and urban legends, like Skimwalkers, Wendigos, the Jersey Devil, and many others. Point Pleasant was the closest town to me, so I made it a goal to drive down there for a weekend on the 53rd anniversary of the first Mothman sighting. On Friday, November 15th, I picked up my stepbrother and stepsister and we headed down to West Virginia. They were both skeptics. They didn't care about the legend. I honestly don't know why they even wanted to go in the first place. We made it to the small town around 3pm and checked into the Lowe Hotel. A couple of hours after going into the Mothman Museum and checking out the other small shops, my two friends, Katie and Joanna, made it down for the weekend trip as well. We all met at the Mothman restaurant where some locals knew we were from out of town, and enjoyed us talking about the small town. One of them asked, You folks go check out the TNT area yet? I responded with, Not yet, but it's on our to-do list. This is when our group thought it would be a great idea to go there at night time and head to the area where Mothman was sighted by the two young couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry, and Steve and Mary Mallet. We bought lights and headlamps and headed to the area at around 8.45 p.m. We approached a gate that was blocked off so no vehicles could pass by and decided to get out of the car and walk into the wooded area. It was really dark out and all we had to guide our way was our lights. We brought in my GPS leading us to one of the bunkers. We made it to an opening in the forest where I believe the factory's building once stood before getting demolished. It was at this time my stepsister and Joanna saw a pair of eyes staring at us from the woods. Whatever it was, turned around and walked back into the forest. They assumed it was a big animal, and for our safety, we headed back to the car. As we passed the gate, I noticed it could be lifted with two people, and we decided to open it and head in with my car. As soon as we passed the open area, we found a bunker to our right, parked the car, and went inside to get some pictures. Our one friend was beginning to get a little too uncomfortable, so for her sake, I told her we will come back when it's daylight, so we could be more aware of our surroundings in the wood. We got back in the car, and I pulled back into the road. Before we could take off, Katie and I told the group we were going to close the fence since it was closed for a reason. We got out of the car, which was facing away from the fence, and the only lights we had were my brake lights on. We picked up the fence and slowly started moving it back into place that's when I saw it, a pair of glowing eyes staring at me from the bunker we were just at. They easily stood 6-7 to feet off the ground, and it was just staring at us. I stopped moving and I said, Katie, do you see that? She responded with, what, and looked up and saw the eyes too. The moment we both were looking at the eyes it became red and started coming toward us. I yelled, Katie, run! And as she screamed and ran for the car, the creature pursuing us let out this horrifying roar. Nothing I have ever heard in my life before or since. As Katie ran, she fell and hit the ground hard, and I didn't move till I knew she was safely inside. As soon as I got her in, I ran. The eyes were easily 15 feet away from me at this point, and I jumped in the car and pressed on the gas as hard as I could. The road to get out of the TNT area is a 35 mile per hour road, and I was easily doing a hundred to get out of there. We were very shaken up about this event, but it honestly felt like history was repeating itself 53 years ago. Once we got back to the hotel, we gathered our thoughts and I tried to think logically on what we saw. We looked up wildlife local to the area and tried to compare the noise, but nothing matched. I'm not saying it was the Mothman, or Sheep Squatch, or Wendigo, but something about the way it stood and started coming towards us made me think otherwise my group and i have decided to invest in tech to record our cryptid hunts next time we go we want to return back to point pleasant soon to try and capture what we saw on camera cryptid hunting is no joke what we felt was genuine fear and we could have died that night yes it might have been a bear it might have been a mountain lion but you got to be careful you don't know what's out there waiting in the dark for its next meal Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true West Virginia horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to slap that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp that grow as ever-expanding waters. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day. And all things natural and supernatural if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below you can also submit them on reddit via r thedarkswamp the dark swamp i would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp it's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis if you're on the go and don't have youtube premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite swamp dweller scary stories no matter where you are You can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you all. If you made it all the way to the end, be sure to comment down below what story was your favorite and the code word exploding Ohio just to piss off all those Ohioans out there because what else is going on but Ohio blowing up? That's what we dream of, right? I'm just kidding, guys. Calm down. Anyways, I thank you guys so much for supporting The Swamp, and I'll see you all soon, unless you live in Ohio, with another creepy episode.